0: Good day, I'm Anne Dolinchik and you're listening to Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. In this episode, we're in conversation with Jo West, owner and founder of the Happy Cat Agency in the UK, where they implement campaigns for brands of all sizes and provide training programs for influencers and brands. Jo started her influencer career over 10 years ago, working behind the scenes with some of the biggest content creators in the world. Grab a coffee and listen as we discuss the rise of expert influencers, how influencer tears are blurring and what we should be looking at when identifying influencers for campaigns and why relatability and authenticity are king. If you enjoy this podcast, you will also enjoy our fortnightly newsletter that keeps you up to date with influencer news from around the world. Subscribe at the link in the show notes.
1: This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano-influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The SALT solves the problem by identifying brand fans and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The SALT have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influencers. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you
0: thank you so much for making time in your very busy schedule to be with us today. Before we get into it, please can you tell our listeners who you are and where do you fit into the marketing space?
2: Yeah, sure. I'm so excited to be here, by the way. Um, thank you so much for having me. So I've been working with influencers for over 10 years now. Um, I started out my career with assisting and kind of being trained by the earliest YouTube giants, kind of for want of a better word, um, in the UK. And then after graduating university, my kind of like the majority of my career has been leading strategies in house at big brands and being part of the industry as it's turned into something that brands actually have a team for, which has been really cool. And then the past two years, I've been uh, running my own agency, which is called Happy Cat. And we, develop and run campaigns for brands. We connect them with influencers and ambassadors. We run courses to upskill people on the industry. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel like I've been part of it for every stage so far. And I, I plan to continue that that track record going forward.
0: <laughs> I absolutely love that because I think you and I kind of have similar paths, even though it's a bit different. I was in public relations and I just kind of fell in love with the digital side of it and mm-hmm. then it was influencers came in which back in the day was just bloggers at the time and it was wonderful and I, I just kind of also grew with it and I'm so excited to be in this industry at the moment
2: back when, when it was just bloggers and bloggers <laughs>
0: every brand was like get us some bloggers to our events and you're like oh okay get yeah
2: <laughs> I know I remember running those like we used to do like fashion week events and things like that and it would be like oh like how many readers does her blog get and yes. it was so funny
0: and now you look back at it and you're like that was like the bedrock of everything that's happening now
2: oh man and we, like we had no idea at the time How like I I knew that it was an industry that I was interested in it kind of combined all of the things that I loved which you know being creative but I also was really interested in marketing Um, and I ended up kind of in the beauty industry which was a passion of mine but everyone was saying you know when when this bubble bursts and when this dies what are you going to do and I was like I don't know I don't have a plan B (laughs) this (laughs) this industry better work because this is all I've got
0: (laughs) I don't think we have to worry too much. People have been saying the bubble's gonna burst for the last what ten years. There's uh, bubble. <laughs> I think we're fine. <laughs>
2: when well, I'm waiting for the bus, so
0: <laughs> So today we've got Jo on because she is gonna talk to us about more about influence marketing and we're just gonna delve in a bit deeper. So I think Joe, let's start with a basic. And I know a lot of people get a bit confused with the following. If you can maybe tell us in your mind, what is the difference between an influencer, a content creator, and then those people on social media that's just super popular, but they're not necessarily influential?
2: Yeah, I love, I-, I love this question. It's such an interesting topic and I think it's such a personal one as well I feel like everyone would give a really different answer yeah. like I know like especially in the UK and the US a lot of the influencers that I work with would actually not use that term to describe themselves and they probably kind of resent the term a bit but I feel like the word influencer has become quite a generic term just to kind of it's a way for people who maybe don't understand the industry as much to kind of it has encompass everything that people do on social media and I use it I kind of use it begrudgingly I use it because it's the easiest way for people to understand what I do but (laughs) um but I, I kind of I try and say that I like the word creator or like content creator that's what they're doing like you know the job is creating content online and that's what their expertise is in I like the word advocacy that's how what they're doing the content creating relates to brands and it's where the value for brands lies is in advocacy but uh yeah I kind of feel like anyone can be that you know if you have A channel of any size and people are following you even if it's you know 50 people if those people are following you because they really like your content and you have a passion for something and they kind of share that passion then you do fall into that you know whatever we want to call it influencer creator advocate I think anyone can fall into that that bucket if they have you know some sort of purpose and an audience beyond their mum and their school friends
0: still an influencer right it depends on what you're talking about if you're influencing your friends and your family then yeah kind very of true nano influences right
2: I know yeah and I think that's something that brands miss a lot when it comes to even you know when you're talking about someone with like a million followers sometimes the, the most influential value you're getting from them is that kind of you know they're passing your product over the table at brunch with their mum, like if if they are willing to talk about your brand over every other brand that they have access to within their close social group, then like I think you've kind of you've won more than just kind of paying them to talk about you to their audiences.
0: <laughs> no absolutely, and I feel like that's probably the most flattering or the most powerful form of advocacy is that one on one connection where someone's trusting you to give them an honest opinion about your brand experience or a service that they might want to try and if you as a close friend or family member or just someone in their social circles whether it be at work or gym or a book club they trust you and they're going to trial that product to see if it's it. it Kind of lives up to your
2: hype. Yeah, exactly. Like they are, they're, they're the key opinion leaders in their social groups. Like even I know myself personally. I've worked in the beauty industry for years now, and you know my friends and family will come to me first if you know some they need some advice on you know the best mascara to buy or which foundation should I wear for my wedding and things like that. Just because of. All of us I am the one who's had the most exposure to products and brands but it's the same for influencers you know they they get sent thousands of products a month and they have been doing this for years they are the experts in that category so so yeah if your brand kind of earns their respect to the point where they will recommend you offline like that is that is the goal for me that's a successful campaign in my eyes
0: no absolutely because they truly believe in what they are kind of promoting and we're always saying that authenticity and just that alignment with the right influencers that's where the magic lies otherwise yeah. it will fall flat completely
2: I completely agree
0: so when we look at our different types of influences, our nano micro and macro influencers Um, how should brands be kind of using these tiers differently and also what KPIs would you couple generally speaking to these different tiers? Well I find the tiers conversation interesting because I feel like
2: it was a really good way a few years ago and kind of at the birth of the industry to put influencers into buckets and to kind of a lot of the campaigns that I was building maybe five years ago were built on this kind of like strategy of tiers, but actually, like I kind of feel like I don't know if you feel the same, but like they're not. I feel like people are kind of realizing that follower numbers don't actually mean much anymore. Like with it means zero. Yeah, the way that the algorithms are going, you know, nobody sees all of the content that all of the people that they follow post. Yeah. And like I was having this conversation with a brand the other day who they were so they were so set on a particular influencer because of their follower number and I was trying to recommend someone a lot smaller um and kind of you know balancing out with more smaller profiles and kind of maximizing the budget and the way I kind of spelled it out was this person that's got a million followers they've got a one percent engagement rate there's a thousand people engaging with their content on average, and the other person I was proposing had ten thousand followers but a ten percent engagement rate so their the engagement figure is the same for those two people and what you're paying to access that one thousand people to the person with a million followers is so disproportionately large to access the same number of people but through a, a you know a channel of ten thousand followers, so I think I think yeah people are starting to get it like what you really want to look at is things like you know something that's more indicative of actual value like the content quality if you're comparing what an influencer can create versus like a media agency again you're you know you're maximizing your budget so much more Mm -hmm. by investing in an influencer than a whole team and a studio you know and all of that and then The connection to their audience I like to always check the comments section and just see you know is it just kind of spammy adoration and you know like loads of emojis with heart eyes and fire and (laughs) all of that or is it if it's a content piece around a hair product and all of the comments are like girl your hair looks great like where can I get this I need to try this you know it's showing that the audience has actually connected with that product and the brand and they've understood the the purpose of the content that to me is gold versus just kind of putting people into these brackets of followers
0: and I 100% agree with you and to your point the million follower influencer versus the 10,000 um, follower influencer also the kind of engagement you're getting from the smaller influencer is so much more personal and they generally have the time to kind of have that one-on-one conversations where the person with a million followers often don't so
2: yeah massively. Not that,
0: yeah that relatability and that accessibility where people follow them you know saying we've, we have this conversation you never get that from the very big macros which already makes a difference
2: yeah I completely agree I think like typically if you if you did kind of want to simplify it for a brand and do it by these tiers I'd say that Yeah, the kind of nano macro level is where you you get the most trust and their audience is probably more primed to advertorial content than a larger audience just because there is that real emotional connection. They probably do know in person or at least chat to online like the majority of their audience and then these kind of mid-tier guys are more likely to have pro equipment they're probably more likely to be doing this full-time than like a micro or a nano where it might be kind of more of a side hustle so if if it's content that you want then mid-tier is probably better because they've got more time than the people more time and they're more affordable than (laughs) these kind of higher tier influencers but they have more time and more equipment to shoot really high quality content than maybe people with a smaller audience so that's maybe how I'd segment it
0: if someone might have 50 followers but they're in a very very niche kind of market which then makes them kind of a macro within that industry and not necessarily a nano again looking at follower counts
2: yeah exactly I, I kind of feel like as well you always need to have that balance so I try and always have one or two rolling ambassadors who are maybe known names outside of the social media space that just kind of gives you a bit more brand equity, especially for a smaller brand. It's always good to have some association with people who have a kind of respected name. But yeah, you can't, you're you not going to be able to afford to work with them on scale for starters and also you don't you don't get that level of trust and intimacy with celebrities on social media they the people who follow them follow them for kind of just an insight into their lives and to kind of look at pictures of them being hot like they don't necessarily follow them for their insights into skincare efficacy you know so it's like you need that balance of the, those lower tiers that have maybe more authority in your niche than like a celebrity would but kind of yeah balancing them together is the best way I think.
0: Yeah I'm a huge fan of of combining different types of influences and now a lot, since the pandemic it's been amazing because we've actually seen like proper experts rising to influencer level so your doctors, your nurses And at the moment, there's something called Derm Talk on TikTok that's taking dermatologists, and I love it.
2: Yeah, I think you know it is something that TikTok has been really good for is amplifying like real niches. Just because that you know the algorithm is just so random, and yeah, you're so right. Like there, there are not even just dermatology, but you know things like crafts and all of these kind of really niche things that would normally have a really small community are just suddenly amplified to millions and millions of viewers and yeah I'm loving it.
0: <laughs> Me too because it's actual real experts who's relaying information and educating it's not just like you're saying your reality tv stars that's looking hot. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah and we I would like to see more more of the industry being saturated by this kind of meaningful engaging content. Yeah I feel like we got to kind of dangerous Part um a couple of years ago, where the industry, the kind of reputation was that to be an influencer, you just had to not wear very many clothes and maybe have been on reality TV. And it's really, it's kind of rewarding as someone who cares a lot about the industry to see it moving away from that again.
0: I love it, and I'm also I'm with you, and I think it is a trend that's going to stay. I think people are searching out more of the experts because they really want to be educated they want to know more and then also the small niches with entertainment i think people are over just seeing aspirational content yet there's still obviously a market for that but it's not as bad as what it used to be and i'm all for it
2: i agree and i think like the, the people are getting more authentic online anyway and
0: absolutely
2: yeah you're right this kind of this trend of moving away from the unattainable aspirational and the more kind of just motivating aspirational people aren't people don't want to follow people that make them feel bad about themselves they want to follow accounts that are relatable like I love I love this this shift of people showing their uh, unfiltered skin and you know Showing like yeah, I looked really great in this dress, but also if I sit this certain way, you know, my body doesn't look quite as great, and that's fine. Like I love, I love all of that. I think it's really important, especially for the younger generation, to see, to not kind of be exposed to this this need for perfection.
0: I 100% agree and finally people and even celebrities are going this isn't real life my life is also messy I also look horrible I also have some cellulite and it's it's okay
2: yeah vulnerability is fine you know (laughs) it's a great thing and yeah I I agree I think um, it's really important that this shift is is happening
0: so let's talk about when influencers get sent drops from brands so years ago you could kind of send drops to influencers and they would kind of posted everywhere right they would be like look what I just got this is amazing thank you this brand thank you that brand but it's not really happening that much anymore or am I wrong is this still the case
2: No, I I completely agree that, that we've seen a massive shift in the industry recently. I think it was a long time coming, to be honest. I understand when the industry was new, and brands didn't really have budget, and influencers didn't really know that they could be charging. And you know, it was all, it was all still a bit of kind of a free for all. But you know, this is a serious industry now. It's multi billion dollar. It's all over the world. There are, Tens of thousands of people who do this as a job and uh, and I'm really pleased to see the industry moving into this more kind of professional like value exchange conversation versus kind of just sending something like I think sen- sending product is fine, but it should yeah. be it it should be with the objective of determining product and brand fit and you know does the influence actually like the product before you enter into a discussion about promotion and I think that any coverage you get from that is a bonus I don't think it should ever be the objective anymore I think you shouldn't be sending product if you don't have the budget to then follow through with a campaign beyond Mm
0: -hmm. just sending it. 100% so then realistically if brands are sending uh, drops to influencers what is what can they expect from that influencer?
2: I mean you know it's kind of varies and I know by industry and even by market like there are some younger markets in the influencer world who are kind of there are still a lot of people who are just in it for the the product um especially you know the lower tiers where they may have like a full-time income that is separate to their channels um so they don't really need the the paid partnerships but um like I just think if you're not paying then you there's no guarantee of content you know we know I know the laws in South Africa are very similar to here in the UK where you need a contract if you're going to be paying an influencer you need to outline the deliverables that you're expecting if you want any level of creative control such as you know making sure that the key messaging of your product is coming across or you want it to be shown in a particular way or whatever then you you should be willing to pay for it so I think if you if you are just sending product then you should be expecting at best you know some level of coverage that you haven't had any control over and I mean at worst like negative review that you haven't controlled and somewhere in the <laughs> middle would be just no coverage at all and you've sent products for nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah and I think a lot of brands um, I think in South Africa especially is still under the illusion that they will just send a product and then people will just give them coverage and if they don't they kind of get upset with them and they kind of get blacklisted and I'm always like no guys like yeah I
2: (laughs) know we we were in a very similar position I would say like two years ago in Europe where yeah brands would be like oh we're not sending her any more product because she hasn't posted about our brand it's like well have you paid her to you know you wouldn't take your car to a garage and to get it serviced and you know pay the engineer with a wrench like you know these are (laughs) these are skilled professionals and they have a job to do and if they they can provide your brand a service if you're willing to pay for it and if you aren't then they have no obligation to serve you you know they, they're busy people they have their own commitments with other brands and if you're not willing to pay to be part of that conversation then you shouldn't expect to be part
0: of it. No for sure and I think we should also just kind of add in that there is still a a time and place for this tactic but it just needs to be part of a bigger plan it can't just be your only tactic for getting coverage or to getting coverage from influencers it should be kind of a relationship building thing and like you're saying just testing the waters if they actually like the product follow up on that and then if they do then that should be part of a bigger campaign for them
2: yeah massively like I every client that I work with the it it's always like the first stage is get like kind of introducing the brand to the influencers getting the product to them like checking in to see how they're getting on educating them on you know the product and the brand and the background and determining that brand fit and if after that process like you know there'll always be a drop off of people who either just didn't have time to try the product or they liked it but not as much as like a product they were already using in the same sector Or they did like it, and they would want to work with the brand, but they don't really have time in their schedule to commit to a new partnership or whatever. And from that long list, we'll then be able to determine a short list of people who fell head over heels with the product, and they're like, "Oh my god, I need to tell my followers about this!" Like, let's collaborate on a campaign. And that's kind of the sweet spot is those people who have had the opportunity to get to know the brand over time and fell in love, and now they're kind of hooked and they're going to be one of your big advocates
0: I love that you said that because so often you see these posts like people have been using a skincare product for like two weeks and they're like oh my gosh my skin is so amazing and you're like no <laughs> you can't it has to be like at least 28 days before you even can see any difference so is yeah. this very an authentic post but when you do have this relationship with the influencer you send them product to try and you take in with them at the end of the day those reviews or those posts or that content it's going to be so authentic and just so beautifully aligned with what your brand is about
2: yeah exactly and I think there are so many industries as well which you just won't trust a review unless you know that the product's been used over time like one of our clients is a pet food brand I know from my own pets that they need to have been eating something for like a month before I know whether it's actually getting on with them and (laughs) they love it it's the same as you say with skincare or or like hair products you know one of the the brands that we work with they're a like a men's hair health brand one of the advocates we didn't start working with him in paid content until he'd been using the products for like six months but at that point he was able to say his content you know I've been using this for the whole of this year so far and I like I'm so excited to tell you about it because I love it that's so much better than oh these guys sent me this product like last week and yeah I like the smile so I'm gonna tell you like
1: <laughs> hashtag no filter that's how this podcast is delivering real down-to-earth stories told by real people for an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real life situations go check out the salt.co.za they are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing.
0: But I also feel like consumers are so smart these days because you have got so much access to everything and peers and social media and Google that we can't fool them anymore. If they smell a rat, they're going to smell a rat. And yeah. They're going to voice their opinions as well. And then you've got a huge reputational issue on your hands.
2: Completely. And I think that it's one of the issues with if we're kind of looking at this like reality tv star bracket of influencers where you'll get these brands I don't want to name names but you know for example like some sort of hair growth vitamin and you'll see like a thousand people posting the same picture it's the same photo with the same caption like, there's no authenticity oh, no. there at all. I don't believe for a second that they've even tried the product. It's so... And it desensitises you. Like, the audience, yeah. you know, they'll they they they'll just scroll past. They're not even going to engage. Once you've seen that post, you've seen it a thousand times, you know.
0: And that's really sad because influence marketing is all about yes getting the same message across to your audiences but it's like everyone adding their own little creative flair to it that works for their audiences otherwise you might as well have just done a branded ad because it's going to have the same effect.
2: Yeah people you know people are so nuanced and it's those nuances that I love that are coming out more and more in the industry everyone's got their own take and I'd much rather see someone who I have a genuine connection with that I follow on Instagram I'd rather see her take on a product than the brands take but just kind of billboarded through her channel
0: absolutely and again people can see the difference
2: yeah they can you're so right consumers are so savvy these days I think if anything consumers are are less trusting than they should be I think there are still consumers who see the word ad and kind of switch off which I think is a shame because any of the influencers that I work with personally would never accept a partnership with a brand that they didn't genuinely love and they didn't share the brand values of. But I think it is those negative perceptions are being perpetuated by that kind of that bucket of influencers who will just work with anyone for money.
0: Yeah and unfortunately those are the big news stories we always see right. Yeah. There's, there's so many more amazing campaigns and influences and I think they're the majority like 90% of campaigns and influences are genuine and are lovely and it really works out really well and then there's those 10% that just rags us down the whole industry.
2: Yeah I completely agree and I, I, it's something I try and put a lot of effort into challenging those stereotypes i understand exactly why people have that view of the industry because that is the media that they're being fed is it looks awful but um i genuinely believe in the authenticity of this industry and i really trust the influencers i work with i've worked with some of them you know for 12 years and i know how much they care about their audience and being transparent and it's a shame i think it's a shame that those that there are still so many, you know, during this pandemic, the whole Dubai influencers
0: thing,
2: like, you know, it's just, I, I just, it breaks my heart, but there's not much <laughs> we can do about that. I don't know. But I
0: also think those are the type of influencers that's either going to have to kind of make amends and be really vulnerable and kind of be on the straight and narrow to get their audiences back, or they're going to lose their audiences and we're going to see. Other creatives kind of rise to the top, and that's okay too
2: yeah, you're right there's no there's no kind of longevity, there's no career in living that kind of private jet going to Dubai during a pandemic, just showing every designer handbag I have, and there's no actual real heart to the content like we've seen those people come and go in the industry for years, so yeah I think you're right there that they will always be surpassed by the real, authentic, creatively masterful content creators
0: no absolutely and I think to our point earlier it's that's all changed now people want to see the real we're all in a pandemic we've been in lockdowns for almost a year now people want to see the influences also going through the same things we're all at home everything's messy I've got some mental health issues and those are the influences that's really making a difference because it's not superficial um, just look how pretty I look in a dress. It's actually about being relatable and building that community and having that conversations with their, their audiences.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more.
0: So when we talk about marketing, obviously there's campaign bursts and then there's also kind of always on tactics. And it's no different in influencer marketing. We also use that. For you in your mind, what would you say is kind of the best time to use your always on campaigns or when is it best to use kind of just those campaign bursts? Um, what kind of objectives would you align with those? Because I know a lot of clients kind of get a little bit confused with that.
2: Yeah, they do. It's, it's a conversation I have with all of my clients as well. I Again, I think it's all about balance. I would always encourage where possible to have these longer term contracts, you know, you know, we keep saying it's all about that authenticity, like the genuine connection and partnership. And like, even just from a business case, it makes more sense because there's an economy of scale with these fees with most influencers, like generally. Yeah. the the cost per post is reduced the more posts are kind of locked into a contract but but from a brand equity piece I think having somebody who is aligned with your brand and their audience kind of associates your brand with their channel um, you can only really achieve that if you're having this like always on longer term and also like I think another thing that a lot of brands don't realize is you can you can contract deliverables without determining exactly when that deliverable will be and what it will be about and that will give you more flexibility so you can say you know we have three Instagram posts with you between now and May and if there is a period that comes up that suddenly you need to be reactive to you don't you know you can turn that on next week you don't have to go through the negotiation the contracting phase again you all you need to do is get a brief out so there's the benefits there in cost in reactivity but the the downside of own of kind of putting all of your money into these long-term campaigns is it is harder to then be reactive for you know, for example, if the audiences that you've got with your long term ambassadors, you're kind of reaching mums and fitness and food, but you then realize you'd actually really love to try and reach an older market and you you're not hitting any of those points, but you don't have any budget left. If you had segmented some budget for campaigning, you could have then found another influencer who reaches an older market for that period yeah. and just kind of done like a one-off with them. I think that, you know, and it's great for things like busy periods. I know in skincare, like Mother's Day is a huge period. Obviously, the kind of cyber week, Christmas, like Q4 madness is always busy in marketing. So, you might want to turn on a couple of burst influences in those periods just to add surplus to what you've already got with your always on ambassadors. But I I just don't think you can expect them to land in the same way and resonate in the same way because Mm. there there isn't like the equity built with the audience and the audience aren't primed to see your brand positioned with that influencer if it's the first time that they've ever spoken about you.
0: (laughs) I love those points They are so valid. So then the big question is, is influencer marketing for every brand?
2: No, I don't think so. (laughs) Um, I I turn down campaigns all the time because I feel like the brand's budget would be better placed in a different media format. But influencer marketing is for every brand whose target audience is active in communities on social media outside of their personal bubble. But I think that there are layers to it as well because, you know, for example, typically men over the age of 65 don't tend to follow people on social media that they don't, you know, actually know. So trying to reach them with an influencer campaign would be fruitless. But there are more niches popping up. You know, it could be this is such this is me stereotyping, but you know, there may be like a niche YouTube channel in like garden tools or like bird watching or something and they have like a cult following of men in that demographic and then in which case if you've got a product that relates to that niche and you know you want to reach that audience then maybe an influencer campaign with a channel like that would work. I think influencer marketing is a bit of a buzzword and you might be getting pressure from investors to explore it but there are still so many great media channels out there that aren't social media that are relevant to so many audiences probably more so than social media is.
0: No absolutely and I also always say um, if you are doing influence marketing you should try and do other marketing activities as well so you have as many touch points as possible whether that be out of home print um, just digital campaigns just kind of linking everything together so you're consumer kind of sees your brand messaging at so many different points that at some point they start loving your brand or they they encourage to try it.
2: I completely agree and I think the trust thing as well comes into this right because I think there are certain demographics who are less trusting of social media advertising than others but they may be more trusting like I know I'm taking my mum as an example my mum would trust a magazine ad more than she would trust an Instagram ad. But if she if she was exposed to both and also saw the product on TV, you know, suddenly, yeah, you're right. It, it starts to infiltrate the psyche a bit more and she might be more trusting of the, the Instagram ad because she'd already been exposed to it in the areas where she did feel more trusting of the content.
0: So then let's have a look at how do you think influencer marketing has changed from what we saw maybe five years ago to what we're experiencing now?
2: I feel like it's moving to a more like sustainable like I'm so pleased to see this shift actually and I think the pandemic actually has been really pivotal in this is kind of reducing this this excess that was in the industry
0: 100% for,
2: like to Brands are not you know mailers for product used to be this kind of grand excessive like hundreds of pounds per mailer with like a hundred different shades of the same product even <laughs> though you know one person cannot be 100 shades you know and they it would have all these gimmicks and it would have like lights in it and like a screen and all of this stuff that can't be recycled and you know influencers don't know what to do with all this excess packaging and I think like influencers are putting a lot of pressure on brands to reduce this wastefulness and I'm even seeing in Europe especially like brands are not sending product without contacting the influencer first and checking whether or not they want to receive it which I think is reducing waste as well so that's great to see and then also kind of as part of this like mass wastefulness I think we're seeing less of the I'm I'm choosing my words carefully I feel like five years ago I don't know if you agree like the industry was kind of a bit of a jolly like people were just going to Barbados on like five-star all-expenses-paid trips yes I never got
0: in on that
2: oh my god yeah just yeah I know I missed out man (laughs) where (laughs) was my Miami weekend but (laughs) but yeah I feel like and it would be to launch like a lip gloss like it wouldn't even be like this like yeah. life changing thing so i think i think influencers are taking their channels more seriously and seeing you know their careers and their businesses and realizing that um they want to work professionally with brands rather than just kind of living this excessive lavish lifestyle that doesn't actually have any business gain and probably doesn't actually look that great from the outside again yeah the reputation was slipping a lot and we seem to have got to a point now where brands you know we've done amazing launches over zoom this past year so we don't need to be spending a million dollars to launch something just by taking three people away on a weekend to the beach. like
0: I completely agree with you. And I also remember doing all these launches and the more kind of lavish it was, you knew the more influencers would attend because that was kind of what it was about. The best food, the best drinks, the best goodie bags. And then you knew you'd get your kind of full of influencers there. Where now you're completely right. It's more about do they align with the brand? Do they want to be associated with it? They're very picky. To what launches they go to these days, and like you say, there's so many launches. Most of them are online now, and it's actually been amazing. We see more attendance because people don't have to brush from wherever they were, or they don't have to get super dressed up and sit in traffic. They just they just log on.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and also it's things like that. A lot of people I think are in a privileged position to not consider, but it's more inclusive as well. Like there are people you know, with families or with disabilities or with life situations that mean that they can't go away for a weekend or they can't come to your party. And also, you know, geographically, um, we can host launch events that are global now and it costs nothing versus, you know, only being able, you know, if we hosted an event in New York and only girls who live in the like Manhattan area can attend, It's opening up the industry so much to inclusive, to different ables, but also to different geographical locations.
0: You're so right. Because in South Africa, the the main launches would kind of be concentrated to Johannesburg or Cape Town. And if you didn't live close to those towns or you couldn't make it, it just kind of, you missed out as an influencer if you were invited.
2: Yeah. And it it was such a shame. Like we used to get, I used to get messages from like, even in the UK, which is, you know, geographically very small, but if you don't live in London, a lot of the time yeah. you you were just not getting invited to the events. And, you know, some of the biggest fans of your brand could live by the coast or live in Scotland or live in the north. And they just were not, they didn't feel connected to the brand because they weren't on those guest lists.
0: I love that this has changed now. And I think online launches was well, here to stay and maybe not... Um, exclusively online but we will see physical launches come back but then also have that live streaming component so that you can still be inclusive which I'm very excited about.
2: I agree yeah it's definitely something I'm going to take with me out of the last 12 months.
0: (laughs) Absolutely so please can you give our listeners your top three tips on running a successful influencer campaign?
2: Yes, I think oh, I have many, but I'm trying <laughs> trying to get down to three. Um, I think that building building strong relationships with people who genuinely love the product and share your brand values, and just making sure that you have these kind of longer term relationships rather than rushing into agreements with people they haven't even tried your product you haven't determined whether they're actually aligned with your values we keep saying it but it's authenticity and genuine connection and partnership is so much more valuable than just throwing money at at a social media post and that's kind of the end of the relationship I would say in like ensuring that the content is collaborative I think a lot of brands fall down on this, this concept that like I'm paying for this and therefore I need to script it and direct it. And it needs to be exactly like a branded production, but yeah, like kind of being mindful that the influencers are the experts here. They're, they know their audience they know their channels they've been creating content for years and they know what works and like working with them in a collaborative way to determine the the best piece of content to share your brand message and making sure it's going on the channels that are actually going to perform rather than the one that you heard was good right now and just maybe this is just, this is just kind of like the overall topic of this conversation i feel but but pay for the services that you want yes, <laughs> Um, (laughs) encourage the rest of your business to view influencer marketing as a as like a powerful emotional media channel and you require budget to reap the rewards of that channel as you would with any other media platform
0: I think those are three excellent tips and it's literally just reaffirming everything we've been chatting about today and I really want our listeners to take that to heart because that really will ensure that you have a successful campaign in the long run so just sadly we come to the end of our conversation this has been super insightful and fun and informative so thank you
2: thank you for having me i've i could have talked with you for hours about this so well done for keeping me (laughs) for 45 minutes
0: perfect we will definitely get you back because we've got a lot more topics i feel like we can flesh out on this podcast
2: yes i completely agree and i'm here you know where i am
0: I know who you are. I've got your email address now. <laughs> um, but before we go, can you maybe just tell our listeners where they can connect with you online if they want to find out more about what you do and who you are?
2: Yeah, so um, it, the best place is to head to happycat.agency. It's our website. Uh, it's where all of our influencer marketing courses are. There's loads of information about how we can work together in different ways, whether you're a brand or an influencer or just someone who is really interested in this industry and I think I'm not biased but everyone should be interested in this industry because it's (laughs) always changing and growing and there's so many cool ways that you can get involved from the smallest budgets to millions of pounds so (laughs) I'm on there all the time come and chat. Amazing.
0: So, Jill, we'll chat to you soon
2: and thanks again for your time. Thank you so much.
1: This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.